Welcome to Parenthood Pals. I'm Caleb Hoyer. And I'm Melissa Fight Johnson. And today we are thrilled to have back in our midst <laughs> my dear old friend, Lauren Hansen. Welcome back, Lauren. Hi. Thanks, guys. <laughs> we recorded with you like six months ago. And we did episode 214, A House Divided. Caleb and I both just loved your comments so much. We thought it was one of our best episodes. And you were so fun to talk to, so we had to have you back. (laughs) Thanks. I'm so excited to be back. (laughs) Good, good. Um, Is there anything new in your life that you feel like mentioning on the podcast? Um, We just moved, so it's been a little crazy moving with three small children and um, (laughs) my husband is still working from home. So we have everybody at home all the time together and it's lots of fun. (laughs) It's it's tiring and overwhelming, but it's nice that we're together and we have our new house. And so that gives us a lot of projects to work on. Are you enjoying your new house? Do you like it? We are. Yeah. (laughs) We're really happy with it. It's got um, neighborhood pools, so we can take the kids to swim. There's parks close. I have a covered porch, which I've never had before. And so I've been out there constantly. I have a little fan when it gets too hot. Aww. So that seems like just... the life you dream about when you're a kid. <laughs> That's true. Yes. <laughs> I always wanted a pool. This is just a little better because I don't have to take care of it. <laughs> That's the one thing Zeke and Camille don't have at their little compound. That's true. That's no pool. True. I got to work on getting one of those like giant dining room tables for my backyard, like yeah. a Zeke and Camille. And all the style. fairy lights. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. I do have a box of fairy lights that just are begging to go up in the backyard. So oh, there you go. Magic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. All right. Well, today we are discussing Parenthood Season 3, Episode 7, Forced Family Fun. It was written by Sarah Watson, directed by Patrick Norris. It originally aired on November 1st, 2011. And here's the DVD synopsis. (laughs) Emotions run high as Christina forces some family time on college-bound Hattie. Sarah visits Seth at rehab, and Julia guides Zoe through her pregnancy. I couldn't find the NBC publicity synopsis. And I liked this one better than the Hulu one, so... So many synopses there are to choose from. (laughs) But yes, I thought we would start with said forced family fun. I thought throughout the episode, they did a good job of depicting the kind of chaos of family at home life that it's not any big issue that sparks conflict. It's just all the little sniping and how it adds up. But Lauren, totally as a agree. mom of three children. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You guys, you started off hot for me. But yeah. yes, this, I felt the same way. The constant over-talking. This show is so good with the over-talking and it really stresses me out. <laughs> like, yeah. this is something in my life that stresses me out. And I felt Christina so much on this particular storyline no one's ever happy at the same time oh god like all of the people are not getting what they want at any given time the scene in the car (laughs) when she kicks them out (laughs) was amazing i loved that (laughs) i felt the build-up to that and she showed her stress like her stress level rise through her storyline so well that I felt it. I was anxious for her. Get these people out of the car. <laughs> I agree. I was I was on her side. I was too. I loved it. I thought it was so powerful and amazing. And I, I had forgotten 
what happened exactly because I remember she kicked them out. I but I thought maybe she when she was saying stop the car, I thought she was gonna walk home. And I did too. I loved it so much better that she made them walk <laughs> home. <laughs> and Fantastic. I also thought when you know the Max's last line of that scene is, Do you think she remembers that Nora's still in the back seat? As if that's like, uh-oh, Christina's not gonna get what she wanted. But I kind of felt like Nora's the only one not actively pissing her off. Yeah, yeah. She's fine. Like, she and I are going to go enjoy some mini golf. I don't care what you all do. <laughs> well, and I thought it was so interesting how much stakes she put on mini golf. Mm-hmm. She built this mini golf date up in her head so high that even if they went and had fun, I'm not sure if it would have like hit the note she wanted. Right. It really reminded me of an episode in season two where she is obsessed with going on a date, like date night. It's, yes. Yeah. And, and she, yes. It, it doesn't just become about family togetherness for her. It's like she works herself into such a frenzy that like her relationship with her husband or in this case with her daughter, like hangs mm-hmm. in the balance. Like if we don't go have this uh, fun uh, day. This one thing. Yeah. Yes. It's over. And I thought that must be such a lot to carry around. Like, you know, to be so on edge that, that you know, or, or just so, because she doesn't strike me as a person who's insecure, not like Sarah or something. I think she's pretty stable with her family, but there's something in her mind that I guess the, she cata- catastrophizes, you know? Yeah. 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 Oh, I forgot about that term. Yeah. That was cute. <laughs> it is. But I like that the show keeps reminding us that she does that. Like, you know, it feels very consistent with her character. It does. Absolutely. And I heard this quote recently about there are other ways to show you love something besides worrying about them. And it resonated with me so much mm. as a worrier. And now that you're saying, you're like, I don't think she's insecure. It sparked in my mind, I think that's just how she shows she cares about things. She frets about it. And yeah. I can relate so much because I do exactly the same. Because you're thing. putting all that mental energy on it. So you feel like you're putting something into it. Yeah. When, like she says to Gabby, the first episode that Gabby's ever in, the big O, when she says, when I'm not worried about Max, I'm worried about Hattie and that I'm not worried about her enough. And then Mm -hmm. if I'm not worried about them, I'm worried about Adam and it never stops. And she's revealing that she thinks worrying is an obligation. I have to be worried about someone. Otherwise, I'm not caring about them. Wow. I think I do that. (laughs) Me too. I read that. I was like, light Uh bulb. (laughs) I I totally do. It's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. When I am overanalyzing one child, I then have guilt that I'm not focusing that like mental energy on the other kids. You know, like there's never, it's never an even split. Yeah. It must be very hard to find time just for like yourself in, in that case, you know, like maybe not even time, maybe that's the wrong word. Like there might be time, but energy, you know, like, like there might be moments where like the kids are asleep and you have a quiet house, but it must be difficult to just be like, I'm going to learn a musical instrument with that time or whatever, you know, like (laughs) I'm going to read a book. It's probably more like, uh, it's just, I'm going to clean the house or I'm going to do these useful things. Yeah, exactly. When I feel like the times that I do do something for me, then I'm like mostly all feeling guilty that I'm not doing the 46 other things that I should be doing. And I know logically that it is important to like spend that time or do the things that I need to do to be a functional human, but it's hard to not, it's hard to, I don't know. Yeah. 
I thought it was funny that Christina identified that they were all disconnected and they were all sort of, you know, ships in the night. But then she took it upon herself as her responsibility to fix right that. Yeah. Yeah. And I get it in a way. Like, I certainly buy that she would think that because if she doesn't do it, who is? No one. I, that's a mother thing, I feel like. Yeah. But then I felt bad because I thought, like, that's not necessarily like you're first of all, you're still probably recovering from delivery, even well, though that baby looks six or nine months old. But, I you know. think this is all postpartum. Wow. I really, really do. It There's the highs and lows of postpartum, even in just like a normal circumstances are incredibly extreme. And so I do feel like that is kind of playing into her intense need to go mini golfing. <laughs> and I think that it's a really, really lonely time for mothers because you're the only one it like there's a few weeks you know in the beginning of new babies where you are the only one that they need and dads are great to come in and change a diaper or give a little snuggle but like they smell you they want you you're breastfeeding they're on you all the time yeah and it's a really lonely time I feel like so I think that Part of her like need to bring her family together is that she needs to be seen by other people than just the baby. Yeah. I, I felt so bad for her in that opening breakfast scene yeah. for exactly that reason. Yes. Not not so much that they spoiled the five and a half week birthday because I kind of agreed like, <laughs> yeah, that's not a significant <laughs> passage, passage of time. time. <laughs> but just that she was so looking forward to having some interaction yes. with the rest of the family, and then they all ditched her. And it's like, when it's just her and the baby, yep. again, as I'm sure it is, all day, every day. That's exactly how I felt, Caitlin. That's rough. It, wow. It was like, this is her moment to, like, talk to them for a little bit. And she set all the plates out and everything. Yes! It was so beautiful. And who doesn't have time for chocolate chip pancakes? I'm sorry, but <laughs> if someone makes me those, I'm canceling everything. I'm eating them. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. There, there was, and then there was one of those Monica Potterisms. But again, who knows? I don't know if it was in the script or if it wasn't. But it just seemed so random. But after she was abandoned by everyone, she's like bouncing the baby. She's bouncing Nora, and she's like saying like, "Just you and me." And then she makes this comment like, "Just get fatter and fatter." I don't know if you noticed that because <laughs> she was eating the pancakes. I did, and it was both funny but also sad. Yeah. I know that one kind of stuck with me too. I was like, "Oh." But at the same time, that's like right after baby time where you just feel gross and all you're doing is like helping the baby and there is no you, you know, like you can take a shower or a nap, Mm -hmm. but not both, you know, like you have these brief moments of time. And so there's, it's like, you have to choose the things that you want to do instead of getting it all done. Like I can't eat and take a shower and take a nap but I would like to do all three. And so I just, I felt that postpartum feeling from her so much. I was just with my sister who recently had a baby and she was not cleared to exercise while I was with her. So even if she does, and my sister stays very fit, but you know, even if she had the time, which she didn't, Uh she wasn't allowed. And so you might not feel good about your body, (laughs) but 
You also Too can't bad. exercise. You can't exercise. <laughs> Nothing you can do about and it. You basically still feel like you're pregnant. So you still want to eat all the time. Yeah. And it's just like, and it's, it's not forever, but it is like, I think they, sometimes they call it the 10th month, but it's like your pregnancy is not over when that baby comes out. Like there is a good two months of just like healing your hormones as much as healing your body but just like bringing everything back down to a normal level yeah. because yeah. for so long, there's these extreme highs and lows. Wow. And I'll probably cut this out, but she also told me about um, <laughs> to like going to the bathroom oh, depending oh. on, you know, what happened in your delivery. Right. You know, she's like, I'm wearing diapers still because mm-hmm. pee will just come out. Yeah. Or I, you know, I still have stitches in from my episiotomy or something, oh, you know, like poor thing. and just things like, oh, no one ever talks about it. I mean, no, it's not to they men. Don't. And there is absolutely like nothing glamorous about any part of it. And wow. yeah, so that's why I'm always shocked when I do see people that show these pictures in the hospital where they like have makeup on and stuff. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, I really, I can't imagine it. And, and it's, it's fascinating to me that like my body is designed to do that, but I didn't do that. Like, you know, yeah. I don't know. There's something that it seems impossible to me, even though I'm like, no, it's not. That's how babies <laughs> get born. You really can do <laughs> that can. if you want it. Yeah. That's just very, yes. But I, I think the fact that I never have kind of makes me in awe of people who have like Lauren just talking to you. I'm like, you did this three times. It's amazing. It really is. Yeah. I, and, and there's so much that you don't know going in. Like, I don't, there's just so much that they don't talk about or that they breeze over, you know, like the fact that we're calling it postpartum now instead of the baby blues is like a big step. Wow. And it's, it's not just a getting sad. Yeah. It's like a real, this is a real physical, emotional change in your body and your hormones and it has to be taken seriously yeah the baby blues makes it it like cutes it up or something yeah Yeah. it does when i thought christina's point that she made to hattie actually made a lot of sense and i wouldn't have even considered it unless she had said something about it you have a second i just want to say sorry talk to dad and max Mm -hmm. we're sorry (laughs) You're sorry, honey. I left you in the middle of the street. Not my finest moment as a mom. Mm-hmm. It felt good at the time. Well, but, um, yeah, you know, we were being rude and disrespectful, too, so. It's okay. Well, have a seat. Yeah, what's going on? I was just, I don't know. I've just been so excited about tonight. You know, I've been trying to plan this thing this whole week, and I just, I guess I've forced it. You know, I just really wanted this to be a special night. Kind of sad to think that, you know, you're going to be leaving the house and it's going to be a whole other dynamic. Okay. You're upset because I'm going to college? No, honey. I'm so excited and happy for you and I'm thrilled and I'm so proud. I'm just, it makes me a little sad that you won't be able to see Nora grow up the same way that you saw Max grow up. Mom, I'm going to be here for summer and Or maybe you'll go to Paris or you'll go to Italy or intern in D.C. I don't know. I just, I'm being a little selfish is all. Because I'm already missing you. (laughs) A lot. Mom. 
I know. We still have a year. I know, we have a year. I love you. For Christina earlier to have said, this family is so disconnected, I wouldn't have thought about how are Hattie and Nora, with their age difference, ever going to genuinely connect. And I think that would be on Christina's mind. And I was a little split between, is this coming out of left field? Like, is this really the explanation for her behavior throughout the episode? And feeling like, yeah, it's a good point. And I... I wouldn't have thought of it, but I absolutely believe she would have. And what's she supposed to do? And I think what she says there is like, it's not worth Hattie necessarily depriving herself of opportunities just to like, no, come home for the summer and bond with this child that's 17 years younger than you. I really understand the dynamic shift that fear of just this structure that you're used to changing. I feel like I felt that with every baby I had, you know, we had Ellie and it was just the three of us and we had that figured out and I loved our little tiny family. And then we got pregnant with Avery and there was definitely a period where I felt like, well, now it's not going to be our little threesome anymore. And it's, you know, it's how things work. And you learn to love the next dynamic, but there is that like fear of the unknown and of the change, I think. And so I really, really related to Christina in this, just knowing that this is how it works and this is how things go and things are going to move and change, but she's still sad about it. Uh, And I felt like Hattie was such a teenager in this moment she was so dismissive and so um I don't know if selfish seems like an extreme but it was like she was really thinking about herself in this scenario and less about how her mom was feeling like I'm not gonna leave for a year like that's not all of it you know plus she acts like a year is such a long time a year is gonna go by and nothing yes yeah. I also thought it was a little cheap to be like, look, I'm holding the baby now. We're smiling at each other. Uh-huh. Are we good? <laughs> like, no, that's not that's not what she needs you to do. I mean, it's it was sweet, but it's like this right. is a drop in the bucket. It's, yeah. That's not yeah, fixing I, it. I just felt like there was a definite disconnect between Christina and Hattie in that conversation. Like, I don't think Hattie gathered what she was laying down. Yeah, there was, it was so nuanced what Christina yeah. was feeling, which is a funny thing to say because her behavior wasn't really nuanced in the episode. It was extreme. <laughs> but her feelings, I think, were kind of complicated. And Hattie was maybe trying to simplify them. Like, you're upset because I'm going to yeah. college. Yeah. And I like that Christina was like, no, I'm excited and happy that you're going. But, you know, both things can be true at once, like that I'm already sad about this shifting dynamic and excited for you and I would never hold you back or anything but yeah no I I, th- I thought it's interesting I, I can think of several examples in my life where what I was feeling was very layered and someone kind of tried to <laughs> simplify it and I'm like simplify it yeah. yeah no that's a really good way to put it yeah and it feels generational too like I I don't know that I would buy a teenager actually understanding that nope. yeah but I it makes sense to me, I mean, I'm only 35, but I still feel like, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. I get that. That would be hard. And it would be hard because there's no solution. Like, there's nothing yeah. Christina can, there's nothing Hattie could do yeah. no. to fix it. I mean, if Hattie was like, okay, I'll stay at home for college, which is drastic. But that that's not even it. Yeah. Like, that's right. 
and, and that's that would not make what Christina she wants. That's what she's saying. Like, no, no, you're not going to come home every summer. Yeah. You're going to go do other things. And that's And fine. that's great. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, here's, here's a little message from me to fictional Christina. I know of real life sisters with an age difference this big who are quite close. You guys, Meryl Carver, uh-huh. I remember when we were the end of my junior year and Meryl's junior year, her little sister Madison was born. And Madison was, was my student. I think she's like, oh, really? yeah, yeah, it's like crazy. And so I was, I mean, yeah, I'm like 16 years older than Madison. And and so is her sister Meryl. But they, they hang out constantly. And, and it's just a different dynamic. Like maybe it almost felt more like aunt, niece than sisters, mm-hmm. you know, but they're still yeah. quite close. It's just a different way than like growing up together and bickering. It's just a different yeah. kind of relationship. I bet Hattie will have a very different relationship with Nora than she had with Max, where they were, you know. In the same yeah. house yeah. all the time. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that they won't find their own way. So I have a total tangent Fun. in this storyline. <laughs> Christina asks Hattie if she wants to watch Mouse Hunt oh. <laughs> with her and Nora. And I was just looking at Mouse Hunt to does see. Does that have like, Nathan there... Lane in it? Is that <laughs> yeah. what it is? <laughs> and I was like, is there anything significant about them choosing this movie? Is there some tie-in or something I should look up? No, not for that oh. time. But then as I was looking it up, I just found this quote. It made me laugh. I can't guarantee it'll make you laugh. <laughs> but... But here it is from Roger Ebert. Oh, I love his Roger Ebert. Review of Mouse Hunt, which was <laughs> not great. <laughs> the, the movie is about, I believe, two guys who like own a hotel, but there's a mouse in the hotel and they have to get rid of the mouse and hijinks ensue. It's a hard time getting rid of the mouse, and that's the movie. <laughs> so Roger Ebert wrote that Mouse Hunt was, quote, An excellent example of the way modern advances in special effects can sabotage a picture. Because it is possible to make a movie in which the mouse can do all sorts of clever things, the filmmakers have assumed incorrectly that it would be funny to see the mouse doing them. (laughs) It makes me want to watch the movie. That's great. (laughs) <laughs> oh, so. That'll be like a bonus feature. It's just us there watching Mouse Hunt. We'll do a special episode where we. <laughs> I'm in. I'll watch anything with Nathan. Mouse Hunt. That's that's a very good point. <laughs> I also find it funny. It was the directorial feature debut of Gore Verbinski, who would no! direct The Ring. Oh my god! And like really? Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> I yeah. had no idea. Oh my god! I just thought. Like a line that kind of just made me laugh in the episode we watched was, we're going to watch Mouse Hunt. Do you want to watch it? I'm like, what 17 year old is going to be like, yeah, let's do that. (laughs) (laughs) Count me in. Yeah. I'm like, you have to pick something. And then, I mean, that's the same character who later is like, we got to pick something good for family fun night or they're not going to want to do it. And I'm like, well, strike one already with Mouse Hunt. (laughs) Mouse Hunt. (laughs) (laughs) So... A really funny line I thought was it was just real throwaway. It was in that opening breakfast scene where <laughs> Adam says jackass and Christina's like, she can understand you saying jackass. And Hattie's like, no, she can't. Like, I don't know why. But that just I totally wrote down the same thing. <laughs> Well, like, and then later in the car, doesn't Christina curse? Oh, does she? I didn't even oh, catch that. Oh, she yet. does. That's I hilarious. I forget what she says, but she like screams 
get out of the damn car or something. Yes, you're right. And somebody else threw out another one of those in the car. Uh, I can't remember. Oh, was it like Max talking about where he wanted to sit in the car because he'd be less likely to die? Like he, he, I, think so. I think he wanted the baby to be like more yes, likely to Max, die. you're more likely to die in the back seat. Yeah. And so he didn't want to be back there. He was willing to sacrifice one of his sisters. Yes. Like. And yeah. all of those like tiny little arguments during that time was where I really felt her like ramp up to losing it because yeah. it's just like, shut up and get in the car. Like we're going to do this thing. We need less commentary on what's happening. Everybody just needs to get in the car and go. Yeah. 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 Who's sitting where struck <laughs> me as a really believable family fight. Yeah. Because it almost sounds unbelievable. Like you actually got in a fight about that. Yes. I bet with kids you do. <laughs> with kids. absolutely. Yes. No, I have to sit there. And if you don't let me, I'm going to scream. Yes. I remember fighting <laughs> with my sister constantly about who got to sit in the front seat. And they, I love how well this show does all those really realistic, just like nonsense family moments like that. Like, yep, somebody is going to be talking about what we're going to be eating in five hours. And someone <laughs> is going to be complaining about where they're sitting. And I think they do that so well. They really do. I agree. Also, I like to be talking about where I'm going to be eating in five hours. I like to just picture it. I do. And apparently I've passed that on to my kids because we talk about it a lot. (laughs) Did you notice that Hattie asked her not to cry during that breakfast scene? When she was leaving, she was like, I'm leaving. Please don't cry. (laughs) (laughs) Christina does cry a lot. And that it might be one of the things that like endears her to me the most because I cry You're an easy crier. I'm an easy crier. And it's usually for me, not even out of sadness. It's like kind of my stress relief and I'm stressed all the time. And I think that's what it is for Christina too. And they've thrown it in a couple of times. Hattie will be like, you're not going to cry, are you? Like (laughs) this is a constant for them and it annoys Hattie. Yeah. Yeah. That would just make me cry more. You know, I would be like, no, (laughs) my feelings would be hurt. Uh, No, I I will say this about myself. I have actually not often, like maybe twice in 15 years of teaching, been so stressed out. Like I remember once in particular, I said to my class, I'm like, I am having an incredibly stressful day. It wasn't even them. Like it was just, it it was all piling up. And I'm like, later I will cry and I will feel better. But for right now, I got to hold it together. And I remember the last time I said that my students were so sweet (laughs) and they were like, do you need to just go do that and then come back? And I was like, if you're offering, yes. And I actually would like go into the back and kind of cry and then come back. And I was like, I feel much better. Thank you. It was like, and it's funny because I feel like. Um, wow. What a sign of weakness. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> no, that's perfect, though, because I was about to say, like, I think that's often, you know, women, it's more socially acceptable than men. But on the flip side, you know, sometimes women are dismissed more because they're, you know, called emotional, even though probably all of us could use crying more. But anyway, yeah, it's yeah. Well, it's all about what are the acceptable outlets for yeah. emotion. And it's something yeah. I've thought about on this podcast, particularly as we rediscover 
Adam. Yeah, he's just angry. He never cries. Freaking temper. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, but I you know, I also think like that is a socially acceptable emotion for men to express. Mm-hmm. It's not acceptable for men to cry. Right. But yeah, they can scream and yell, and then yeah, people kind of just overlook it and go, Oh, okay, that's well, boys will be boys. I remember in college I took some psych class and this has always stayed with me. It's been a long time, so maybe I won't get all the details totally right. But I remember there was like a study where they took a baby and I can't remember if the baby was actually a boy or a girl. doesn't really matter because what they did was they dressed the baby to look like a girl, pink and, you know, a little ribbon or whatever. And they noticed when the baby cried, the reactions that strangers would have. And they would say, oh, she's so sad. She's so upset. Look at her poor thing. And then same baby dress it in blue and like the reaction was oh he's so angry so mad i'm like (gasps) oh it like starts from birth the way yeah the way we like condition people to behave Mm -hmm. yeah and how anger is not an acceptable outlet for women right you know if you know women are angry then they're bitches or Mm -hmm. they're Mm -hmm. crazy or yeah. yeah but they can cry and then, yeah. oh, they're just sensitive, like women are mm-hmm. yeah. just patronizing in its own way, but it's at least accepted. It is interesting, too, because I think that, um, well, with the possible exception of, of Zeke and Camille, Christina and Adam are pretty traditional, you know, like they really are. You know, Christina was the stay at home parent and Adam mm-hmm. was the parent who worked outside the home. Nothing wrong with it or anything. It's just interesting to note that they have more like traditional roles and then yeah. their attitudes and behaviors tend to reflect that more than like, you know, we don't really see Julia cry very often or anything, I don't think. Um, no. yeah, and so yeah. that's interesting. It's like, yeah. yeah. I also thought, speaking of Christina, I've been really digging her in season three. Me too. And through a lot of season two, she was on my nerves. And (laughs) I literally wrote down, had this storyline somehow happened last season when she was on my nerves, I might not have felt much sympathy for her. I might have just been like, oh, shut up, Christina. I can't take it. But this season, I was like, oh, I felt my heart went out to her. Yeah, Uh, she's definitely my least favorite character. But I feel like I relate to her the most. Interesting. I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> but but yeah, I definitely like I feel like I understand her her crazy mood swings really well. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Like I wonder how often we like or dislike characters or people who remind us of ourselves. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. that is I'm like oh so annoying. <laughs> I often think I wouldn't I would not like someone. If I met myself, I would not like me. Well, really? like, this guy needs this guy needs to tone it down. <laughs> <laughs> Who does he think he's like charming? He's trying so hard. Oh, oh wow. I would I would feel competitive with myself, I think. Ooh. Interesting. I do remember, Caleb. Do you remember this? It was like some season one episode you and I were doing. And Sarah was doing something and you were really hard on her and I was really yeah. sympathetic. And then we figured it out mid conversation that her behavior was ri- reminding each of us of ourselves. Of but your own. Yeah. But your instinct was to be like, be really hard on that. And my instinct was to give a lot of grace. Like, like I, I thought that was wow. fascinating. I'm like, wow. Oh, that is. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe that's why I'm so unhappy. I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. I'm glad you're kidding. <laughs> well, let's move on. <laughs> To Julia, 
and Zoe. First off, even though I kind of already knew the uncooked fish pregnancy rules, I just looked it up. And according to thebump.com, <laughs> uncooked fish is more likely to contain parasites and bacteria, including listeria, that can lead to infections and cause harm to the baby. Also, several types of fish have high levels of mercury that can lead to birth defects. And women have weaker immune systems while pregnant. Hmm. So even their ability to defend against those things is diminished. They Googled it in the episode and recited a lot of this exact same information. But I'm not a fish lover, so (laughs) get me pregnant. I'll do it. I missed sushi more than anything during my pregnancy. Yeah. That was like, I told Kev every time I was in the hospital, I was like, I want some spicy tuna as soon as I have this baby. (laughs) But I felt a little bad for Zoe because stuff like this is constantly changing. And if you're not planning to have a baby, you really shouldn't know this stuff. Maybe since she is already like four or five months pregnant, she may have wanted to look into it, but (laughs) not just like common knowledge. Yeah. And I feel like Julia was trying to be sensitive about that fact, but let's evaluate how well (laughs) she handled addressing the issue. I do have to talk to you about something though. And it's kind of awkward because it's about the baby. So you were eating sushi. I know, spicy tuna rolls, so good. Yeah, um, but you can't do that when you're pregnant. What, eat lunch for breakfast? Illegal. <laughs> eat sushi. <laughs> Cooked crab and lobster are apparently okay in moderation, but like super, super moderation. This is just according to what I Googled. And um, raw fish, you know, it should be probably avoided entirely. And then lobster too and the crab just to be safe. my eating habits? Well, I, I wanted to make sure that I was right before I brought it up, you know. And Joel didn't remember, so yeah, I Googled it. And, and you talked to your husband about what I'm eating. Joel. No, With okay. Joel, a fish expert. This is coming out wrong. Okay. We couldn't even remember, you know, all the things that you are or aren't supposed to eat, so we don't blame you at all for not knowing. <sighs> okay. And blame is the wrong Thanks. word there. Next. Hi, what can I get for you? I thought this was such a great conflict because... I really got where both of them were coming from. Mm-hmm. Totally. Like I, I, really, yeah. I, I, the second she said blame, I winced. I was like, Oh no, but I, uh-huh. I totally got where she was coming from. I didn't, you could tell, I so saw myself and Julia in that scene. I'm like, that is exactly what I would have done. I would have tried so hard not to make it awkward. I would have even been like, it's a little awkward to try to diffuse the awkwardness, but it would not have helped. Um, so yeah. And I listening to it again, I was identifying so much with Zoe. I hate more than anything feeling stupid. Yeah. Even in a situation like this where why would Zoe know this stuff? As Julia brings up, like she's not sure that there's anyone telling her this information and she's not angry at her. She's not criticizing her. She's not saying you should have known this. Yeah. Right. But even when I'm in exactly that situation where like I couldn't have known better once it's brought to my attention, all I hear is, you're an idiot. How did you not know this? And it like plays on a loop at a deafening volume in my own head. And Ugh. yeah, so I totally get why she would feel defensive about it. Yeah, I agree with you totally, Caleb. And I think Zoe's facial expressions <laughs> through this whole episode are so 
good. <laughs> She's sweet and funny. And like, I just, I love her as a side character. I do too. She's Me maybe too. one of my favorite guest stars they ever have. Yeah, she's a great guest. Yeah. What well, I was thinking about how she arrived sort of right as Michael B. Jordan was leaving and how Help soften the blow. She deserves <laughs> to be just as famous as Michael B. Jordan, in my opinion. Yeah. I feel like that parenthood was the first place I saw him. And I was like, this guy is a star. And then he became one. And Rosa Salazar has had quite a fine career in the wake of Parenthood. She was in the Divergent series oh, and I didn't know she that. was in um, Alita Battle Angel. I remember she was in one episode of uh, American Horror Story yeah. Murder House because I was really traumatized seeing cute little Zoe, spoiler, get murdered. It's really horrible. Oh. Yeah. So. She's doing quite all right for herself, but it's like um, she needs to be in the highest grossing movie of all time. Yeah. Like Michael B. Jordan. That needs to happen. Was that well, Pan- is Black, Black Panther? Panther? Wow. I, it's one of. I guess it's That's probably cool. not the most, is it? But Side note, I just saw a Michael B. Jordan movie that I'd never seen before last night, uh, Chronicle. It's quite good. Huh. Yeah. Rosa Salazar had another one of those little lines that cracked me up. I'm going to say the line and no one is going to think it's funny because it's not the line. It was, what is kale? But it was like, I can't remember. It was her delivery of it. She was like, she, cause she was still feeling really defensive and she was not ready to accept that Julia had done something nice for her by bringing her this meal. So she's like, what is kale? Like, what is, what even is, like, what is this nonsense? <laughs> what are you giving me? me? Yeah. It was so I thought similarly when she comes to dinner and she's like, I tried the kale and I thought maybe I wouldn't come, but then the chicken was good. So I showed up. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a fun tangential fact i watched this show on the history channel about pizza hut yesterday (laughs) (laughs) and until 2013 pizza hut was the largest purchaser of kale in the country wow they didn't even order it as food it was decoration (gasps) on their salad salad bar bar. but they had so many salad bars and no uh, one was eating kale. Nope. But then, you know, around that time it became trendy and then people oh, were man. eating it. And the salad bar. I used to, to have to fill up the salad bar. That was part of my job at the old Pizza Hut in Pittsburgh, Kansas. God, I love that salad bar. It was so good. Those little crunchy breadsticks. You know what? You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if Julia's attempt at making up with Zoe was exactly the right thing to do or say really but it was clearly from the heart and very i thought it was so lovely oh good i didn't think it was bad i was just like well you try your best and i'm glad she accepted the apology yeah i thought it was lovely i thought her saying that someone should cook her a nice dinner was so sweet yeah because she is like giving her all this advice and asking her to do certain things so that Julia's baby stays safe. But then ultimately it is Zoe's body and time. So I thought it was really, really sweet that Julia acknowledged that. I never even thought to really connect this storyline with the Christina storyline until until you just said that, Lauren, because it reminds me of like, I don't want to get political or anything like this, um, but I think the 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 thing that always gets lost in like pro-choice, pro-life arguments that always really pisses me off is 
people act like women aren't people sometimes, you know, it's, it's this idea of like, all that matters is the baby Mm -hmm. and the woman is but a vessel. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. and there's, there's something about that language that really bothers me. And I think it should bother people no matter where they fall, you know, like, I think we got, we got to take a look at that. And so I think you're absolutely right for Julia to make it clear that she doesn't just care about the child that Zoe is is carrying, but cares Mm. about Zoe as well. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah, I hadn't related it to Christina at all, but that's really smart. And I think that there is something in there about the care of mothers when they are the ones that are putting out a lot of effort towards other people. And I feel like sometimes it can get lost that like, yes, this is a job of a mother, but like, it is also really hard. Yeah. And especially for Zoe, she's not keeping the baby. So like, She's still having all of this emotional response that her body's putting out while she's growing the baby. So I really love that she acknowledged that. And what a powerful experience for Zoe to go through because yeah, usually the whole reason you do it is because you get the baby at the end. Right, I can't imagine. Yeah, to go through all of this and then not get that. Like, Yeah, I always think that, you know, when you hear about surrogates, oh, that would be so hard. Yeah. But I guess at least in that experience, you typically know the person and like you can see the baby go to this like loving couple that you know and love. And And you are getting paid then. That's That's true. true. Not that money, you know, is equivalent, but it's something. Yeah, yeah. Like, what did I do all that for? Well, now you have $50,000 or whatever it is. Yeah. Well, and I thought to put a discussion of a theme at the front of our episode instead of at the end where I usually put it, I felt like boundaries, which, you know, we talk about all the time. (laughs) Yeah. I thought that was a recurring theme. And certainly with Joey... (laughs) that's their couple name with julia and zoe the boundary of who gets an opinion about the baby right now before it's born because you know zoe was under no obligation to give them her baby but she offered to and they accepted and so are they going to sit down and hammer out an agreement like julia and joel don't get any input until the baby is out and in their arms or because it's going to be theirs eventually, do they get an opinion? Or I, I just think it's totally natural that there would be friction around that. And yeah, even if you did sit down and like hammer it out, I think it would be so difficult to anticipate every yeah, they wouldn't I have agree. anticipated that this. would arise. They wouldn't yeah. have anticipated the sushi thing. I don't think they they wouldn't have yeah. thought to put that on the list. And I mean, if if Zoe had gone through an agency, or if Julian Joel had. I don't think they would have had any say or or any yeah, contact. Yeah, they probably wouldn't even know. Yeah. No, you probably don't have contact until the baby is born, I would imagine. Speaking of boundaries, I think the theme got in my head because of this scene early on in Sarah's storyline. Hey, uh, she said that you went and saw Seth, right? Yeah. She said you're going to go see him tomorrow. Is that right? Gonna keep seeing this guy? How many times are you gonna go see him? No, no. Well, don't you think it's time to set some boundaries, Sarah? I mean, this is how it always starts. I am setting boundaries. And then she walks out of the kitchen. 
Did you take that as what she meant? Like I'm setting a boundary with you right now. Right now? Yes. Yeah. Back I off. felt that was a, a boundary with Zeke. Yeah. And I wrote down, I was like, this is the price of Zeke's attitude towards Sarah up to now. Mm-hmm. And I think he's actually raising a very smart point. Mm-hmm. And I wrote down potentially the first utterance of boundaries from any Braverman <laughs> ever. <laughs> but from Sarah's perspective, it's coming from someone who's been nothing but hostile mm-hmm. on yeah. this subject up to now. So, of course, she's not really inclined to hear him out. It made sense to me why both of them behaved like they did. And the way he kept saying this guy. Yeah. That would really annoy me. To me. I'm like, it's this so guy. Dismissive. Like, you mean like, my husband and the father of my children? Yeah. Yeah. It's this so dismissive guy? of their relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, okay. So I won't name names, which might make the story worse, but I'll, I'll try. <laughs> but it reminds me of um, I know someone who has chosen not to get vaccinated, and I know someone who is really bothered by this. I too am bothered. I think that's a poor choice, but I sort of recognize that it's their choice and it's not up to me to have a big conversation with them about change your mind. In fact, I maybe would have that conversation if I thought it would do any damn good and not just make the person dig in their heels and and get real mad at me. And so I stay out of it. But this other person is like, not letting it go and brings it up to me all the time. And it's like, please say something. And like, it's starting to make me like super stressed out. And I, I don't know mm-hmm. what to do. And I'm like, you're acting like I've chosen not to be vaccinated. I, can't I haven't. Yeah. Not. Yeah. Right. I'm like, I've done it. I've done the thing. And it, yeah. And so anyway, it, it, like when Zeke asked Adam to interfere, like, you know, that's exactly what it made me think of where I'm like, I actually think Zeke is right that, Sarah is really getting way too close to this and and it, this is not good for her. It might it might arguably be good for Seth. It is not good for her. I don't yeah, think. Yeah, I agree. But I don't think that Zeke has any right to interfere. So it's really tricky when you like agree with someone but you don't agree with their approach. I agree with the person who thinks that this person should get vaccinated, but I don't agree with nagging them all the time or like, you know, just snipping at them. Like, well, adults have to make their own decisions, even if they're bad ones or even if they're ones you disagree with. That's hard. Yeah. All I could think about was how difficult it is to disappoint your parents. Mm. Like, I feel like even at almost 40, Uh I still feel that like, if I were in Sarah's position, I would feel bad that I was disappointing my dad. Mm-hmm. It's just another pull, I guess. Like there's the Mark pull and the Seth pull and then Zeke wants her to do a thing. It's just another person trying to get in her head. Yeah. And when we're talking about boundaries, I mean, Sarah does live with her parents. And so yeah. then I'm like, not saying that they should get to weigh in on every life decision of hers, but it is a little bit hard to be like, treat me like an adult when you are living at home. Like yeah. so it get, that makes it murkier. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I had forgotten. I mean, I remembered that there was this storyline about Seth being in rehab, but I didn't really remember any of the details and the layers of complexity to it, especially in this episode were sort of brand new to me. And, they hit me hard. Yeah. I thought it was really well done. And you mentioned this scene with Zeke and Adam. I'm going to play it because I have many thoughts. You know, Sarah has been calling the rehab every day to check up on uh, Seth. Mm-hmm. And uh, yesterday she went to see him. Mm-hmm. And it's just scaring the hell out of me, son. Yeah. 
I hear you, Dad. That's, uh... You know, it's her business. We gotta let her do her thing here. No, it's not. It's, no, it's really my business. It's, it's family business. You know, she's my daughter. You think about it. If something like this were to happen to Hattie, you know, how would you feel? What would you do? Son, it just tears your heart out, I'm telling you. This guy's responsible for what happened to her. I mean, that's why she's back here, and she starts to get her life back together again. And then, you know, everything starts to seem to be copacetic, and then this guy shows back up again. And, um, and I don't know what to say. I, I, I'm doing all the wrong things. Do you talk to her? I talk. Yeah, I talk to her, and she's kind of shutting me up, you know? What can I do for you? Would you talk to her? Doing good, but I'll talk to her. Thanks, Adam. See, that's me. I'm Adam all the time. Like, go talk to this <laughs> <laughs> <It's> exhausting. <laughs> like, anyway. I was just really touched at how vulnerable Zeke was with Adam because we know Zeke does not have an easy time talking about his feelings, especially mm-hmm. feelings of weakness. So for him to say to Adam, I'm it scares the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. And that he he clearly realized he's botched it with her, that what he's been doing hasn't been working and that he admits that, mm-hmm. that he admits he was wrong is impressive to me. That's a good point. And I, I feel for him because you can hear how much this is freaking him out. Mm-hmm. He just wants Sarah to be safe and you can't fault him for that. But how does he now get his concern across to her? It made me think a lot about my Uncle Lyle when he was on last season and he was talking about Zeke communicating with Camille and how he thinks it's vital that you tell someone that you're concerned about them because you care about them, that you reemphasize, I care about you and this is why I'm saying this to you. And I thought maybe we just take it for granted that that is what is behind any concern for anyone but I don't think it can hurt to say it and to say it a lot if necessary. Like I'm worried about this situation with Seth because I care about you and I know it has caused you a lot of pain in the past and I don't want that to happen again. How can I help make sure that you don't get hurt like that again? But then the hard part, I guess you can't impose your course of action on someone. Zeke wants to protect her by her having nothing to do with Seth at all. And that's not what she wants to do. She wants to support him and it's not like she doesn't know what Seth has cost her in the past, but she's apparently decided that she's okay with that. So how does Zeke help her on her parameters? I don't know. I just, I thought it was really complicated. I got to say, I honestly think you kind of can't. I, I think that often it's helpful to say something one time, you know, for Zeke to say one time and choose it wisely and choose your words well. I am really worried because I care about you. And and then I, I think you have to sort of let it go. I think a yeah, lot of it agree. might be too late for him now. Yeah, I think. Because he, he did not choose his words wisely. Right. I, and I think that, I mean, it's it's my opinion that like when things start to just kind of come across as nagging, you know, which I think is kind of, I know it's a funny word to use about, about Zeke, but I think he's just nagging her all the time. I don't think his words have any weight or power with her at this point, nor should they really? Right. And just because you're worried about someone and you see them making a mistake doesn't mean you can stop it. I, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. So I don't know if you can do anything. Yeah. 
Well, and I also hear in his words a lot of fear of a lack of control. Yeah. And when he used the words this guy in this scene with Adam, I heard them differently when he said this guy is responsible for, you know, everything she's gone through. And suddenly I thought Zeke has carefully sort of curated his family and family is the most important thing to him. He says he dreamt about it in Vietnam and I believe him. And I'm sure that he views his family with a kind of rose colored lens and that Seth would feel like just some interloper. Like mm. who is this person yeah. who intruded on my family and just left absolute destruction and chaos in his wake. And he does it every time he's around. And then I was like, oh, that's what he means by this guy. It's maybe not, I mean, it might be that he's trying to diminish mm -hmm. Seth's significance, yeah. but it might also be like, I thought I was guarding against this and I was helpless to stop it. He just crashes through and hurts my daughter and hurts my grandkids. I don't even know who this guy is. He's not one of my people, but now suddenly I have to like factor him in. Am I right? I hate this guy. <laughs> you know? Am I right that in the movie, Diane Weist keeps calling Keanu Reeves that Todd? Like she yeah. kind of dismisses her daughter's boyfriend with. Um, yeah. yeah, I forgot about that. That's so I just thought of that. I'm like, that might be, you know, who knows if that's intentional or not, but an interesting thing, a way of dismissing a person. This yeah. guy, that Todd. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Sarah and Mark a little bit. I can't go out with you tonight. I have to cancel. I'm so sorry. It's because of Seth. He's got some counseling session tonight he's asked me to come to. I just think I should go. Okay. He's in such a fragile place. I, I couldn't say no. Okay. I feel so bad. I almost thought of making up a story. You know, my cat got sick or something. And then I thought, what am I doing? This is ridiculous. That like, would have been a bad one anyway, because I know you don't have a cat, so I would have figured it out really quick. I would quick. have had to get a cat and then poison it for it to be sick. <laughs> well, all right. Well, how, how, do, how are you feeling about that? I mean, counseling session with... I don't know. You know. I feel it's crazy. It's I, I, I'm worried about him, and I'm, you know, I'm worried about... You and so I just feel overwhelmed. I guess I uh -huh. feel bad. Right. You're fine. Don't, no, you don't have I to to worry about me. I, I understand that this is your life right now, and mm. you never have to make up a story for me. It was better to tell me. It would have been a, a great dinner, and I had a surprise. But no. Um, but uh, I hope tonight goes. Um, I don't even know what adjective I'm looking for. I hope tonight goes too. Um, and I, I want you to know that, that you can't keep canceling on me last minute. That's, that's just not going to be okay with me. I was so impressed with Mark's boundaries. Yeah. But right? Ugh. I like envied them and admired them. Yeah. Yes. Like the whole time they were talking, I was like, please have a whole conversation about this. Like you clearly want to know more. You should know more. Mm -hmm. Why isn't this more of an open discussion? And then he just laid it out and was like, this isn't going to work. And I was like, yeah, you don't have, yeah. An, have an hour long discussion. Just This isn't <laughs> right. going to work. Yeah. And that he prefaced it with compassion and understanding 
that I thought was a hundred percent sincere. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I thought that's great. I mean, maybe it's like you were saying, Melissa, like you could just say it once and you have to choose your words wisely. Mark's words were chosen much more wisely. Yeah. Because I think she knows he's not um, nagging her. Right. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to give you a heads up. Yeah. I'm not upset yet. But. This can't keep happening. And like, what a way to respect yourself. Yeah. No, I, I continue to be super impressed with Mark, like even more so than my memory of him, because I'm like, the fact that he is so understanding and compassionate but without ever being a doormat is a very impressive yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah line to walk and you know it's also I think really interesting and believable but he's at this point probably 28 years old because I think he was 26 in the first season and he's quite together yeah, you know, he's got his own yeah. place and he's got a really steady job. He's not cocky, but obviously has, you know, confident confidence. Yeah, he's, he knows that he's a worthwhile partner who deserves to be, you know, treated as such. Yeah. And like, it's so interesting to me to look at that and compare that to Seth, who's probably 20 years older or 15 or years for sure years. sarah's age sarah's age right they were in high yeah. school oh that's yeah. true so maybe like 14 years older 12 years older and like in any but case still no age difference yeah and yet and yet yeah i mean whoop. yeah you know sarah keeps being like can i be with someone younger and i'm like you know it really isn't always about age i mean yeah this would be a big step number. up in emotional yes. maturity and yeah. and just being able to rely on someone. I was I was pretty upset with her in this episode. I started to wonder in this episode, as much as I love Mark, I I was like, does she deserve Mark? Like, I don't know that she does. Like I, I love them together, so. but but he maybe could do better. And I love her, but you know, like <laughs> as far as just Wow, and I really fell for her in this yeah. episode because I feel like she is in a really tough spot and I admire what she's trying to do, even though I also see the dangers of it. Mm -hmm. She is just taking on Seth's sobriety, though, for herself. Like, like it makes me really nervous because... I agree. I wonder if she's doing it so she gets the final result that she's been wanting. Yeah. You know, like this is what she's wanted for so many years. And maybe she really does see a change or maybe it's just that wishful thinking of that your partner and you have been through this so many times that like this is finally going to be it. Right. Yeah. I've been waiting for this change for so long. It's really going to happen this time. Or even I hadn't thought of this until just now, but like a very cynical take on it is her whole family for mm. probably ever since she's known Seth. Yeah has been saying you were wrong to have faith in this guy yeah. in any way. Yeah. And if she can get him clean, then she can be right. Uh -huh. I never thought of that. Well, I have to say his monologue with the counselor, I thought was a real killer. Do you remember after her seventh birthday party that night when, when you finally got her to go to sleep? Do you remember what happened? It's the first time I asked you to go to rehab. That's right. And I should have gone. We will not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. No way, man. Uh-uh, Doc. I'm not buying that. Because until the day I die, I'm going to regret not listening to my wife that night. Because if I did, I'd have a different life. I'd have a better life. 
Maybe we'd still be a family. I had so many thoughts, so <laughs> bear with me. Okay. First of all, John Corbett is so good. He's incredible. Because I think it would be so hard to strike the right balance with a character like this because it'd have to be someone articulate enough that we, the audience, can understand what he's feeling, but messy enough that he doesn't feel like an actor just reciting lines. And then someone charming enough that you want him to get better, but sketchy enough that you're (laughs) a little unwilling to trust him completely. And I think he nails all of that. Mm -hmm. I, I felt like he's like pitching it just right. And then secondly, I, I thought it was becoming clear that Seth doesn't just regret how his drug use has affected his life, but he regrets how it affected his family. And that would be a hard thing, I think, for Sarah to sit and listen to. Because, like, how could her heart not go out to him? And yet, can she really, like, even dare to open that door again? I'm not sure I would entertain a romantic connection. To me, the idea that she would fall back in love with him and want to be with him, I feel like the show has established she has moved beyond that. So, And I don't remember it really going there. And I hope I'm right in that memory. See, I feel like this episode did nothing but that. When they're like, it ends with them watching Vertigo separately but together and the couple's like kissing on screen and they're both like watching it. I I guess I never felt like it was a viable Although like, maybe that's the like Appeal. slow motion train wreck of it. Like, yeah. Sarah, don't do it. It's not viable. But does she realize that? I don't know. Anyway, thirdly, I thought what Seth brought up about not regretting the past was a really interesting conundrum, <laughs> I guess. Like, I've never done a 12-step program, but it seems to me that maybe that not regretting the past is related to the concept of accepting things as they are yeah. rather than the way you wish they would be. Like, of course he misses his family. Of course he wishes he'd listen to Sarah. And of course he would wonder how it would be if they were all still together. But that's not how things went. And he has to accept that really and truly. And I don't know if you could ever stop yourself from wishing things had not gone that way, but you can acknowledge that it did go that way and that there's nothing you can do about it. And that, successfully managing your addiction doesn't depend on getting that back because if the only way you can make peace with the past is for it to never have happened, then you're never going to find peace with it. So like, maybe that's what they mean about not regretting it, but it made sense to me. And he's like, how am I supposed to not <laughs> regret that? I know. Cause it was, you chose wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Look, you're right. Yeah, I don't know. I did like the very shallowest of dive into AA steps to kind of try to understand what this one meant. And it talked a lot about how there are very specific steps that focus on this particular problem of like accepting the past and moving beyond it. And I know nothing about AA, but I think it's all super interesting But I think you're totally right. There has to be a balance of like, this can't change. I can't change what I've already done, but I have to be able to live with. And I think a lot of that is like going through these motions of making up for it. You know, there's a lot about, um, I forget what they call it, but where you, where you apologize or make amends. It's like steps to move you away from your past or not away from, but to deal with it. You know, you can't change it, but you can do a few things to like help you and the other people you may have hurt to heal that. 
I've always been really interested in AA and I, I don't know a ton. I know that my dad did AA at least before I was born. I think you're maybe supposed to go your whole life and he did not, (laughs) but, um, but he did, he did go to rehab and he did. Yeah. And he, and he went to AA and I remember like thinking that the higher power one is super interesting, you know, for example, because I'm not religious. And I think my dad really struggled with that one because he wasn't religious either. But there's something I love calling it higher power because it like sort of fits with wherever you are. It's just the idea that you're like not in total control. And that's that's true. I think no matter if you're religious or not, you know, this idea that the world is bigger than you and things are going to happen that you can't predict or control. And and that I find really interesting. And, And I can see where having to admit that would be a step, you know, like, cause if, and, and I, I know that's not exactly what he was talking about in this speech, but I feel like what he's struggling with isn't ironically all that different from what Zeke is struggling with this, this <laughs> like feeling this loss of control. Yeah. Yeah. This like regret for the past and this, this wish to, to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. And they just have different ideas of how to do that. I also thought it was nice how he talked about his roommate who had the card from his daughter. I think so. Because in some ways, the focus on his family suddenly feels a little bit like a contrivance. Like, oh, they're clearly trying to set up some kind of triangle between Sarah, Mark and Seth. But Seth never seemed all that interested in getting back with Sarah last season, or Mm -hmm. she didn't seem all that interested with him. So how are we going to lure her back in that direction? Make him really want the whole picture of the family together. And yet I kind of bought how they set it up too, because he talked about that guy's nightstand or bookshelf or whatever, and his, and that there was nothing on his. Some guitar picks. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, what is he fighting for? Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, he wants to get clean. Why? Yeah. I mean, so he can maybe get back in the band. But uh, I I don't know. I thought it made a lot of sense. He's got to want some like he's got to have something to work toward. Yeah. And maybe if I get clean, really, then that will be repaired. And then that when she gave him the picture at the end, she said, put it on your nightstand. Like, uh, okay, yeah, you're, I think, like you said earlier, like, I think that probably is good for Seth. Yeah. Yeah, not for Sarah. Well, and Christina said, or Julia said it too, like, you might not be a great girlfriend, but you're a really good ex-wife. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I loved that scene because it didn't necessarily feel like a crucial scene, but to me it felt so real because if you were in Sarah's position, what would you do as soon as you left the rehab facility? (laughs) You would go tell someone (laughs) what went down and you would vent and you would maybe get their thoughts on it. And I felt like that's exactly what they did. Is this tacky? Is this wrong that I'm guzzling wine as I talk about visiting rehab? I don't think it is at all. Anyway, tell me about the session. So he says, if he'd gotten sober years ago, maybe we'd still be a family. You know what? I need like whiskey or something harder. He said that. Yeah, and I can't stop thinking about it because that's what I've always thought. Maybe we would, but he didn't. He didn't get sober, and he did terrible things. And for a long time, I thought I would never love anybody again. 
Does Mark know anything about this? You know, some. I just, I don't want to talk about it all the time, which is hard because it's all I'm thinking about all the time. So it makes me a bad girlfriend. You're an amazing ex-wife, though. Mm. No, mm. no, well, sorry. I mean that truly. You're, you're, you're being supportive of Seth. It's, it's nice. But is it crazy to be supportive of Seth? Why am I supportive of Seth? Can he really stay sober? I do have vodka in the freezer. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> and like I paused the episode to write down all my thoughts about Seth after his monologue. And then I felt like she kind of articulated them all in this very short scene. And it really rang true to me. And it's like we talked about last week. I really sympathize with her because there is no right answer. And that sucks. But I admire that she's trying. You know, like Aaron Sorkin says in his adaptation of To Kill a Mockingbird, trying to do the right thing is the right thing. And I felt like that's what she's doing. She's just trying to do her best. And so I don't fault her for that. Caleb, I need more information on this Aaron Sorkin version of To Kill a Mockingbird. I didn't know this existed. Oh, yeah. It was on Broadway before the shutdown. Oh, he uses a line very similar in The West Wing. It was from Posse Comitatus. And he ends the season or he ends the episode where he prays with the priest. It's one of my very favorite episodes. But the quote is. I don't always know the right thing to do, Lord, but I think the fact that I want to please you pleases you. Yeah, very similar. Yeah, I think it's so interesting that he put that in To Kill a Mockingbird, too, because it's very similar to what you mentioned from the play. Yeah, but just her questions of why am I supporting this guy? But I also think, like, who else does he have? The show hasn't shown us anyone else that he has to lean on. And yet, does that then by default mean it's Sarah's responsibility? No. And she has other obligations too, namely to her children. And then to Mark also, you know, they're really starting to get serious. I feel like if, if she were making Mark more of a priority, I feel like that would mean she was making herself more of a priority. Because to me, if it's like, who do you have more history with? Seth's always going to win, at least unless she never breaks up with Mark and they revisit this in 20 years, then maybe Mark would win. But, you know, like she has more history with Seth. If it's who does she love more? I'm sure it's Seth. Like, you know, so it's not like I'm saying. Who does she have a future with, though? That's yes. That's a good question. That, I think I'm asking that. Like, There's no future. with Even if Seth got clean, what's the future? Yeah. I th- They're going to get back together and. That to me seems pie in the sky. And maybe she is actually entertaining that. Uh, that to me doesn't seem realistic, but. it's Yeah, so I think what's really striking me is it feels like if she's constantly being with Seth, it's like she's putting his addiction slash sobriety, hopeful sobriety, but she's putting all of his needs above not just Mark's, but her own. And yeah. I, f- I feel like she's, she's kind of throwing away potentially a, a really healthy relationship I I wonder, you know, I think some people have trouble like after they've been in something that's to some degree abusive. I mean, I'm not calling Seth abusive, but like that was a tumultuous relationship where she could not count on him or trust him or feel calm or confident with him. And a lot of people 
will confuse that with with love or passion, right? Like the butterflies that people talk about. Some people say that's just anxiety. Like before you really know a person, in in, <laughs> in some ways, you're just not sure if they're going to like you back. So you have butterflies, you know, and there, there might be something to that, you know. And some people would say like a steady, stable relationship, like what she would have with Mark is like boring compared to something exciting. And right. I think those are like really unhealthy ways to look at relationships and I do think some of that is probably up in Sarah's head and she's probably to some degree dealing with that as well like she maybe doesn't know how to be loved in a way that's safe and secure well the last scene with her that I want to spew out all my thoughts about was when Adam goes to talk to her dad sent you right yeah dad sent me yeah Look, he's a meddler, he's a pain in the ass, okay? But his heart's in the right place, he's worried about you. That's fine, just tell him d- just to stay out of it. I don't think he can. He's worried about you, Sarah, and so am I. Okay, well, I got what? it. All right. <clears throat> oh, boy. I'm gonna say something to you, okay? This isn't coming from Dad, this is coming from me. You need to be careful. We've been down this road with Seth before, and we've seen where it leads, so. Thank you. We haven't been down this road before with Seth. I have been down this road many, many times, which is how I know this time he is capable of change. I believe that you really want that to be true, but I don't think Seth is ever gonna change the way that you are hoping that he will or, or expect How do you to. know what I'm hoping or expecting? I, I just want something better to happen. I, it's like saying, you know, g- give up on Sarah. She hasn't done anything yet with her life. Give up on Amber. She had that rough patch last year. I'm, how can I give up? I can't give up. He is capable of change. I believe that. I do. Okay. All right. Just don't want to see you get hurt. That's all. Didn't mean to offend you. Just... Try to look out for you, okay? I literally switched whose side I was on multiple times <laughs> during this scene after just like one line of dialogue. Like I bristled when Adam said, We've been down this road with mm-hmm. Seth before. Yep. Because it felt to me like Sarah does not need you yeah. to explain to her. It felt very <laughs> what that history yeah. is like. I like that Zeke. <laughs> yeah. But then her defense was not that, but that. Well, because I've been down it, I see something in him that no one else sees. I'm like, oh no, that to me yeah. feels like you're missing the point. Like now I know it's different this time. Yeah, oh, please grow up. <laughs> then that felt like rose-colored glassesy to me. And if you're Adam or Zeke, how do you talk sense into someone you care about if you honestly think they're not looking at the situation clearly? Because saying nothing feels negligent, but Putting in your two cents feels nosy or judgmental or condescending. And then I it also occurred to me on my second watch, if Seth isn't capable of change, if he literally doesn't have it in him to be any better than he is, then you can't really be mad at him hmm. because he's helpless. This is just the way he is. So in a sense, I think Sarah is actually holding him to a higher standard than anyone else. Like, why is Zeke so pissed at Seth? if he thinks Seth is just a monster. I get that you would want to guard against him, but it's not like it's his fault then. But I think Sarah is saying, no, he can do better and he hasn't done better up to now. So we need to help him do better. 
I went through the whole uh, roller coaster with you, Caleb. I was like on her side, on his side, on her side. I totally agree. And it felt very brother, sister. Well, and I can relate with opinions about my sister's husband's mm-hmm. never anything like uh, addiction. You know, it's never right. been anything that drastic. But, you know, you have opinions about anyone you meet. And when someone is like, hey, this person's going to be in our family now. Yeah. You have opinions. And it's like, do you share those? Do you not share them? Mm. Yeah. Would it make any difference if you shared them? Would it make the kind of difference you want it to make? And I usually have resorted because there's never been anything so um, (laughs) scary. Yeah. You know, I, I don't say anything and everything has worked out just fine. But. It would be hard if I really thought there was an issue. Like, what if, you know, one of my sisters was married to an alcoholic yeah. and they were like, no, 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 no. He just enjoys that from time to time. Like, how do you say, no, I actually think yeah. there's something happening here that you are not seeing clearly. Yeah. And when you are getting, you know, like, I'm sure that they're not always hearing the good parts. They're probably getting a lot of her venting. Or like, yeah. I have to move. I need somewhere to live. Like they're seeing a lot of these negatives, which there are a lot. Like this is, like you said, this was a tumultuous relationship, but they had two kids. They had a marriage. It couldn't have been all bad, right? Like yeah. he has an addiction, but he's not a bad person. Yeah. So I think that it could be really hard for her family to see any of the positives because they're only being shown the negatives. And those are so glaring that it's hard to look past. When Sarah went into the garage right after that and took the tools back boundaries, and told Zeke she was going to visit Seth, I suddenly had a vision of the first episode of season two. I hear you. I see you. And I thought if she could just say something like that to Zeke, it might fix everything between them. Like it just acknowledge dad. I yeah. get where you're coming from. I hear you. And I understand why you're doing this. Yeah. And I'm not angry at you about it, but here's what I feel I have to do, but I'm doing it with your voice in my head. But I think she is angry. I think she is angry at Zeke. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't blame her for not having done that because I think that's more realistic. And to me, it felt like when Amber blatantly lit a cigarette, right in Sarah's face <laughs> after prom. Yeah. Which I'm now uh, realizing I'm, John Corbett does, right? As he walks out yeah. of the, like, that's a very Amber. Yeah. That's funny. Oh. But it's just like, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm disobeying you. Right. right on your face. Mm-hmm. You like it? Oh. <laughs> Man. Man. I know. I liked that speech that Sarah gave Adam because I thought it explained her actions in the last few episodes beyond just she's falling for Seth again. You know, like the idea that she needs people to be able to get better because she's not necessarily 100% satisfied with her life or and she she she's worried that Amber won't be since she's not in college right now and stuff. You yeah. know, I I liked those examples and that helped me understand especially if you are in a family where you can point to examples of people who seem to have their shit completely together. That would be very frustrating. (laughs) And like for Adam, who, you know, obviously is not an alcoholic or has never struggled with, with things like that for him to just be like, you know, are I don't know, it would come off as way condescending. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Less intense, but when Sarah and Seth are reminiscing about, that photograph she shows him, they mentioned that they lived in a little cottage on Bay Street 
And after looking it up, I thought that is a smart, nondescript choice of a street <laughs> name because I found Bay Streets in San Francisco, Fremont, Emeryville, Mountain View, all of them in the Bay Area. <laughs> right, so, yeah, of probably course. in the Bay Area, there probably are lots of Bay Streets. So who knows where they were living, but it was somewhere around there, probably. Yeah. I wondered about the photograph itself. I I tried to pause it and get a good look at it, but I was like, did they just take young photos of John Corbett and Lauren Graham and like smoosh them onto the faces of like, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't something look looked a little enough. Something looked a little weird about that photo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, shall we go on to Crosby? Yeah. I'll just lead off with my opinion. In my opinion, that Dr. <laughs> Joe run in was worse than the Sandy run-in. You know, Sandy dropped by unannounced. Crosby didn't lie to Jabbar Mm -hmm. or to Sandy. Mm -hmm. Well, he did say that's why they couldn't hang out because he was being a dad. That's not why. (laughs) Anyway, but he didn't lie to his child. Yeah. They lied to Jabbar about what Joe was doing there. Uh And I'm not saying that was the wrong thing to do, but I don't think it was. That's a good point. Great either. My point, I guess, is just I think they need to cut each other more slack more consistently, I think. Like, they're doing pretty well with how they handle Jabbar. So, anyway. Okay, I'm glad you mentioned that because I just found Crosby, like, insufferable in this episode. (laughs) No! Yeah, I did. I felt so hard for Crosby. I thought this was such a Crosby episode. Wow. Oh, that's so interesting. Like, when he, like actually asks the woman that they're like interviewing to be a receptionist about like like he's, <laughs> I was like oh my god talk about boundaries <laughs> like yeah. uh, Jesus Christ but I just I don't know maybe this is something I need to get past but every time he throws a baby fit sorry okay I, I'm not using neutral language I'll I'll I really want to right okay. how do you feel <laughs> but I, I was just like every time he throws a baby fit about you know like I don't want to be replaced and I'm like well you know what don't cheat on your fiance. I know that's unfair. Uh, if you're yeah. in a real, like, that's not a I fair. I think that's that unfair. I just, I, mean, I just. That's good advice. That's true. I just, I guess. It was I, the title of an episode. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of couldn't get past it. I'm like, and I, I maybe need to make peace with it because what, what's he supposed to do? He's apologized. Does he never get to have an opinion? But I just keep thinking, well, you guys would just be together. You know, like all of, she's trying to move on. And the reason she has to move on is because of what you did and, you know, cut her some slack. You know, Jabbar didn't like see them have sex or something. They were finishing up their coffee. You were early and and no one was even like mean about it. It was just like acknowledge, oh, I was early. This happened. Oops. But instead he just like goes crazy. Like, oh my God, I don't want to be replaced. And I'm like, all right, chill out. Like I don't, she's allowed to have a boyfriend. I think, I think that it just, the, the, how indignant he gets, I think is what bothers me. If Mm -hmm. he were more like, look, I know I was early this was upsetting. What can we, you know, we, we need to have a conversation about this because uh-huh. uh, I felt really awkward, but he just gets so self-righteous and I'm like, well, what do you expect, man? Like, I don't know. <laughs> so that's, that's what I put down. You showed up like, early. Yeah. I was like, Crosby often has, I think a legitimate point, but he gets so worked up that he then makes those points terribly. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like <laughs> in his argument with Jasmine on the merits, I think he was right. And the fact that people kept saying, like, well, you were early. 
I was a little pissed off on his behalf because Crosby got busted on being drunk on a day when he wasn't oh, supposed yeah. to be taking That's care right. of Jabbar. Yeah. Crosby mm-hmm. got busted for introducing Sandy to Jabbar, even though Sandy dropped by sure. unannounced. Good point. He got busted for leaving Jabbar in a pool unattended when actually there was a lifeguard on right. duty. He got busted for hooking up with a mom, which he didn't do. He, it seems like there's always these things cropping up and Crosby's like, I didn't actually do anything right. wrong. And people are like, well, it doesn't matter that you didn't actually do anything wrong. <laughs> and now it's like, well, you were early. So Jasmine didn't actually do anything wrong. Well, uh, but shouldn't she be more careful since that's what she demanded from yeah. you every other time? So Ooh. I was a little pissed about that. <laughs> but you can't just burst in and start yelling. Mm-hmm. And kind of like Seth, I think... I get that Crosby doesn't want to be replaced. My heart goes out to him about that. When yeah. Crosby's telling him about Dr. Joe and I played with Legos. And, yeah, that's got to hurt. <laughs> I literally wrote down exactly what you said, Melissa, pretty much. It's like, your behavior is why you're not with Jasmine anymore. Yeah. And she's going to find someone else. And that person is going to have to have some sort of relationship with Jabbar. So you got to start figuring out how you're going to deal with that. Yeah. Because it is not reasonable. You're so right. Yeah, it's not reasonable (laughs) to just say, no, that can't happen. The only way I'll be okay is if that doesn't happen. You got to figure it out. And I really did love then when they had that argument, I liked that Jasmine conceded and that she then returned when Crosby had cooled his head and she, like an adult, (laughs) said, (laughs) I hear why you're upset. You have a right to be upset because this is upsetting and it's tricky. We need to start having that conversation. And then the look on Crosby's face, his like glassy eyes, like bravo, yep. Dax Shepard. No. I'm getting that like watery <laughs> thing because then I think then he realized, oh, I'm upset about something that I cannot change. Right. This is happening either way. You know what kind of made me feel bad for, for Crosby was that moment where Dr. Joe is like, fixing the Tonka truck or whatever. Oh, marry him. Yeah. <laughs> the camera like zooms in on Jasmine and she looks at him. And I'm like, oh, she's never looked at Crosby like that. Never. <laughs> I don't think she ever has. And he's not even there to see it or anything, you know, but I just thought, yep. uh-oh. Um, <laughs> As I said, yeah. in the first episode Dr. Joe appeared in, I think he's the perfect man. And how he related to Jabbar in this episode and the thoughtfulness and the care to fix the tire on the truck. I I also loved what a great way to show Jasmine falling for someone. Mm -hmm. That it's not that he's rich or beautiful. It's that he is thoughtful in a way. As much as I love Crosby, I'm not sure thoughtful (laughs) or considerate (laughs) are some of the virtues I would attribute. Only when he's trying to get out of something you know like only when he's trying to make up for something that he buys her the house and stuff but she doesn't want you to that's not even thoughtful that's just reactionary like yeah yeah i mean she i don't think she's a big gesture kind of person i think she's a like consistently (laughs) dependable that's so that's so true because like compare her reaction to crosby bought me a house to joe fixed a toy tire on a tonka truck (laughs) yeah and i think this is interesting. I just thought of this, but Sarah doesn't seem to understand how to like 
be with someone who's just consistent and stable, but maybe Jasmine does. You know, maybe Jasmine's like, you know what I deserve? Not that. This. I deserve this. <laughs> yeah. You know? like, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I mean, and I should say, I, I love Crosby. I, I really do. There, There's just this, the way that he sometimes behaves about the fallout from something that he caused, that that really it drives me crazy. And he, this is not the first time he's done this. Every yeah. time he does this, I want to roll my eyes. I'm like, oh, and it feels so Zeke to me. I'm like, this you so got this from your dad, you know? Like Zeke yeah, getting all mad is. at Camille for taking a you know painting class from yeah. Matthew. I'm like, you know why she's yeah. left with Matthew? Because you started it. Like I don't know. I'm just <laughs> so anyway, whatever. Well, and this was all a storyline about boundaries again. Yeah. Like, what are the boundaries with your bar and the people we're dating what are the boundaries between us when do we renegotiate them it would be hard to co-parent like with an ex i can't imagine me neither yeah it's hard to parent with a parent like with a with a partner because everybody still has their own opinions and of course you know this reminds me of like what my mom would say anytime someone would give us a hard time just oh they're just jealous (laughs) <laughs> and that's part of Crosby's issue. I mean, I, I feel like oh, it he's can't insanely be jealous. He's insanely yeah. jealous because he knows the areas in which Dr. Joe exceeds him, yes. which is almost every area. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's like rough. they both seem to have big hearts mm-hmm. and are very caring. Yeah. And very charming. But I mean, Joe has his shit together yeah, in a exactly. way that I don't think Crosby has it in him to ever. That, that they're just different kinds of people. Mm-hmm. And Crosby's thinking about the things he likes least about himself and then seeing it fixed in Dr. Joe. <laughs> so I sympathize, but it's like, well, but that's not Joe's fault and it's not Jasmine's yeah. fault and it's not Jabbar's fault. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the way things are. No. I think we're missing the most important part of this, this storyline, which is that Jabbar keeps calling them Lego bricks. I'm gonna go play with my Lego bricks. We filled out my truck with Lego bricks. <laughs> I noted that too. Thank you, because it was driving me crazy. <laughs> I even checked in the credits to see was Lego like a paid sponsor, and did they maybe insist I like is that the their official thing. name or something? But no, only Apple was listed. But <laughs> I thought it seemed bizarre that I wondered if Lego they couldn't say just Lego. Oh. I wondered if they had to add on the bricks because they weren't a sponsor. Oh, that's because that makes more sense. Y- you call them Legos, right? Then it's a yeah. trademark name. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I'm gonna Lauren. go play with my Lego bricks. <laughs> That's fantastic. I did not even notice that. That's so great. <laughs> I also, did you guys want to hear the rest of Jabbar's song? Yes. My name's Jabbar and I got curly hair. The best. <laughs> we just need a spinoff of Jabbar. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. So cute. I thought that, is, I mean, I get that that was probably like in the script and everything, but he just seems like the sort of little kid who would just spout that off, you know, like he's just very confident Uh and very well adjusted. And it seemed like this is a thing that he and Crosby do, you know, like when you go to work with your parent, like, Oh, going to the studio with dad, he'll let me play around on the mic. Yeah. I thought it was really cute. They do have, I mean, I am a real sucker for, for Crosby and Jabbar scenes. Like, he is such yeah. a good dad. That has never not been true. I feel like even in the very beginning as he's adjusting to it. Yeah. All right. So let's actually wrap up. 
I loved this episode. I mean, I already talked about the boundaries and stuff with everyone, but I did too. You were so spot on with that. Yay. And I, like I said, I forgot about how powerful this story arc with Seth in rehab is, at least to me. It's really good. I, I find all of the layers of, I, I'm always attracted to like ethical dilemmas. Like what's the right thing to do? Should Sarah support him this much? Or is it the wrong choice? Or So I, I love how messy it is. And I thought it was a really well done episode. You know, I loved it too. I, I'm worried for Sarah. I don't think she's doing the right thing for herself, but I do think it's coming from a very kind, compassionate place. Or maybe a place of not thinking she deserves um, happiness. I don't know. Or maybe maybe it's coming from many places. But it, it just worries me. But I do think it's extremely compelling and well done. So it's not like I don't like the storyline. I very much do. I just, I feel sort of train wreck about it. You just you know? want her to be with Mark. I do. I, I, <laughs> I do. I really love them. Yeah, Lauren, what did you think of this one? I thought it was great. Yeah, I loved all the Christina stuff. I would like to see her throw a fit and throw everyone out of her car at least once a season. Yeah. <laughs> Let's bring that back. <laughs> I think you're totally right. Well, and I'm glad we had you on because you just had so many insightful things to say about what that time of life is like that just obviously Caleb and I could never speak to that. And you spoke to yeah. it so beautifully. So thank you. Oh. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me. Yay. Thanks for being here. Thank you for joining us. And uh, friends out there, please do follow us on Twitter and Instagram and like us on Facebook, Parenthood Pals everywhere. And check us out at parenthoodpals.com. We thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless and keep you always. And may your wishes all come true.